0: The Lord, everyone.
1: Well, I appreciate this opportunity, and uh, I guess I need to thank someone for putting my name in the hat. I, uh, I don't know if I've been wanting to thank them all along or not. I, they talk about this being a hot seat. And if I'm standing here today, uh, just in my own natural ability this would be very difficult I can't do it I don't have the natural ability for this but we represent a great truth that gives us great courage Hallelujah. and so we're not very fearful because of that reason I like what's happening here I really do my vote is that we do it again next year right here A lot of questions being asked over the past few months. what's this all about? What are they doing? Who is this steering committee? What are they driving? Who's on board? Where are we going? Who designated them? Well, perhaps it was the Holy Ghost. I know most of these men pretty closely. And I have great confidence in them, and so this is the result. And truly, we're living in critical times. Amen. Generally, we start with a verse, but if you don't mind standing just a little while, I'll be standing longer than you. I'm going to try to keep in mind, Brother Jackson, that's going to be following me and. Try not to get into his time. I have enough here on my platter for all day, but we we won't do that, Lord willing. I want to speak to you today, and if any of you have ever heard me address this with this title, I just apologize, but this is what I feel today. And uh, I call these thoughts today the prime meridian, the prime meridian. The prime meridian. When I first learned the word meridian many, many years ago, I saw it on the highways and it said, "Stay off the meridian." And uh, I always pictured it as the space between two highways. And <clears throat> come to find out that uh, this this is ground zero, the prime meridian. And uh, rather than keep you guessing, where my direction is I I believe that the one the Godhead is the prime meridian Uh, meridian is a thing that divides our prime meridian in the the world is located in Greenwich that's how they pronounce it it's spelled Greenwich Greenwich Uh, right out of London and politically that line has been established there was a time that Germany had her prime meridian, France had hers, England had hers, practically all the nations had their own private prime meridian, which caused great confusion at high seas. And uh, politically, it's only been a few short years ago, that uh, the whole world got together and decided to adopt Greenwich as the prime meridian of the world. And not only is it of all the high seas, but actually all the surveyors and all the coordinates of every port and every island. And in fact, the corners of your property is all based on the prime meridian. It's Gram zero. It's not just for Earth, but it has a lot to do with space travel, where time is so critical where if they split a second into many thousands of parts the speed of light 186,000 miles a second and Greenwich Mean Time is the zero time for the whole wide world and even in space set up on an atomic clock that doesn't mean it's an atomic generator but when the old escapement system was replaced with better watches and uh, into the crystal. Certain vibrations. I remember when Boulevard came out with one they call the Acrotron, a tuning fork, and uh, it took the cycles, divided the second into many parts, and then the quartz watch came and did much better than that. And now the atomic you take the actually take the vibrations of the atom speed of light the atomic clock is not accurate it is not absolute accurate it's off light travels at 186,000 miles a second that's almost eight times around the world in a second that's moving out and the amount of time it takes for light to travel 3 feet That's how much the atomic clock is off. And so you can pretty well count on it. Amen. It said, we get rid of them ragged edges. We want it right. Hallelujah. For one verse so that you can be seated, I know that's what you're waiting on. That's when we all, oh boy, it'll be exactly a quarter after. John 1, 1 John 5 and 19 just portions of these scriptures is all I'm going to be touching. It said we know that we are of God. We know that we are of God. And you know the rest of scripture. But I like the positive part of it. We know that we're of God. I have no doubt that we have truth. It's forever settled in my soul. It's the revelation. It always amuses me when people try to tell in articles what we believe. I just hate for them to do our talking. Amen. We know that we're of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. Many years ago, Brother Terry had a little school at our church. He appointed himself the instructor. I had several young preachers there. And he said, I want to teach you how to preach. First lesson, get them all lost. <laughs> Sounds cruel, and it's certainly not politically correct. But we have far too much political correction. or We're weary with it. It's, we we're it in our politics, they can talk for a long time and you still don't know what they said. Sad to say, we're living in critical times and these politically correct orators have allowed this caution to dilute the power of our message. Just afraid to say it. Galatians 1, 6 through 6-9 I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel verse 7 which is not another but there be some that trouble you and I somehow got a feeling there's very few troublers here today I feel like we're here in the name of truth, love of truth. First Corinthians, our second Corinthians, four, three. But if this gospel be hid, and it is, who is it hid to? It is hid to them that are lost. And we should be ever grateful that it isn't hid from us, and never rejoice that they're lost. We love Trinitarians, we hate their doctrine. If we hope to save them, I'm going to get all out of place here with my own thoughts, but I've got to say it now. If we hope to save them, we cannot stroke them and encourage them. and lay our hands on them and pray blessings upon them. Give them our sanction. Can you imagine the great prophets of old giving sanction to the prophets of Baal and stroking them trading pulpits for the prophets of Baal? Can you imagine the apostles doing that? Can you imagine God being pleased with us if we do it? 2 Thessalonians, for that day shall not come except there come a great falling away. And uh, I believe in end time revival, always have. We're still having revival. People are still getting the Holy Ghost at our church. The baptistry hardly dries out, so we're wetting it again. But I guess I'm a naysayer when it comes to what's being projected as the great sweeping revival that all of the charismatics that receive the Holy Spirit. part of that revival I'm a naysayer I'm sorry
0: you're
1: going to have to get it just like we got it Brother Gross made mention of the bridges that are being built I know you're standing you know that I always know it would you like to be seated why don't you we see? All right. Sometimes they tell us, sit down. Well, we sit down. He made mention of the bridges that are being built between us and them. And I like his comment, always suggest water. Usually when you think of a bridge, sometimes you have a bridge over dry gulch, but most of the time we're thinking about it water and I I don't know my mind went back to uh, there was a great water crossing at one time when Israel was trying to get across the Red Sea you know our God could have built a bridge there if he would wanted to but uh, he chose to not mess up the types in the Shabbos and they went through the water (laughs) they didn't bridge it and when Joshua was confirmed, his leadership when the feet of the priests got in the water. didn't didn't reach again. If we go to them, we'll have to go through the water. I don't know how we'd do that, deny our baptism, I suppose. God, have mercy on you if you do. But if they're going to get in the body of Christ, they're going to have to get in the water. We're not going to jump it. This politically correct thing galls us a little now and then. I, I think one time a couple of young men came to me and they were picking at me. And uh, they wanted to know the difference between uh, diplomacy and compromise. And they asked me that question challengingly before a lot of other preachers. And, uh, I knew they were challenging, and I loved them. And I didn't want to get nasty. I just asked them a question. When when are we ever justified as called-of-God preachers not to be or to use diplomacy? And they couldn't answer that. I guess what they were saying, we need to be hateful. Well, we don't have to be hateful. But well, We certainly have to be firm. Something happened that was kind of, odd. Uh, I think, worthy of mentioning, and I, I hope I do it right. No don't want to hurt anyone saying this, but a group of men were on a bus over in Israel, and the bus was filled up with Jesus' name preachers and Trinity preachers, and they had a time. And one of the Trinity came up to one of our men, a good man, too, believes our truth. And... uh he asked him, he said, I haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, and I don't believe in the oneness of God. Am I your brother? Well, this gentleman, of whom we all love, if I mentioned his name, you would love him. And he was trying to figure out a way to respond to that question. And brother Terry had come up, and he said, what kind of question are you having trouble with? There's a time for diplomacy. <laughs> so he
2: put the question to Brother Terry.
1: I haven't been baptized in Jesus' name. I don't believe in the oneness of the Godhead. I believe in the Trinity. I'm not your brother. Brother Terry said, that's easy. No. been a number of years way well, over 20 years ago that question was posed on a national radio program and the question was not answered and uh, it would have been easy enough for me to answer it and I could still have been nice I believe but uh, where were we? we were on naysayers I don't want to be naysayer to everything I don't want to be a naysayer to this effort. Right. I like this effort. That's right. That's right. Second Corinthians three and twelve. Seeing then that we have such hope. Oh God. Such hope. It's a beautiful thing to have hope. And it's a beautiful thing to know where we where our hope lies. Praise God. And uh the conclusion here is because we have such hope we use great plainness of speech never an excuse to be hateful or mean-spirited we don't justify that we don't we don't encourage that but we do encourage truth and so borrowing a little We've heard some great preaching Brother Garrett, Brother Gross Brother McDonald, Brother Lambeth took me a while to catch Brother Lambeth's drift last night But when I caught it I'll never forget it I answered some questions, didn't I? Concerning our prayers Just commenting on it I feel the Spirit of the Lord I've already deeper and I. But let me say this. I wanted to borrow a few things from Brother Garrett. Uh primarily his primary thought. <laughs> and he used uh a safe place that you're standing on holy ground, we are on holy ground this doctrine that we love, and it is a safe place. He mentioned the six cities of refuge, which was wonderful, particularly if you're running for your life, and you find the welcoming arms (laughs) of truth, and then fear leaves you, and the devil cannot torment you, and you can sleep well at night. And it just come through my mind a few things that I wanted to mention just briefly. This is not on my subject, but it's it, we just have one subject. If we're going to preach Christ and Him crucified, we're all in the same boat. And I really do believe that that ought to be the primary uh, mover in our lives is Christ and Him crucified. Now, I thought of some people that must have felt mighty, mighty secure. And in a very, very safe place.
2: When God said,
1: I'm going to come through the lamb. And we call it the death angel, and that's not exactly right, but that's what we say so often. They said, uh, I want you to kill a lamb, catch his blood. A lot of qualifications on that lamb. And I don't have time for all of that, as you know. But that blood went on the doorpost and the lintel of their houses that night and then they went in the house and stayed there and when that dark shadowy thing called death came and hovered for just a moment perhaps in front of every door those inside were in a safe place only safe place on the block is where the blood is applied yeah, 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 yeah. hallelujah this is our message who, who, who has the authority to compromise the eternal truth who would somebody how big would somebody have to think they are that they could compromise the only safe house that there is. Hallelujah. Beneath or behind that blood, they were perfectly safe. And nothing outside of that blood was safe at all. No stroking there. No encouragement to the Egyptians have faith. Whether the Egyptians knew or didn't know, it did not matter. There's this thing called no light. This gospel is hid. It's hid to them that are lost. And there is light. And nobody's ever turned it out. Hallelujah. I thought of another safe house. I've got to move. I'm going too slow. When the walls of Jericho were destined to fall, there was a red rope hanging out of a window, it represented the blood of Jesus Christ. And Rahab and her family was in the only safe house in the city. The positive part was, it stood. Oh, hallelujah! based on nothing but the promise and the
2: evidence
1: that was a foreshadowing of the blood of Jesus Christ. Hmm. No, I'm, I'm not interested in,
2: in spending the night in somebody else's house. times. I don't want to encourage them. Hold on, brother. We're praying for your ministry. They don't have a ministry. God never called a pagan to preach. And since we use great plainness of speech, anything outside of the one God, Jesus' name, apostolic message, is pagan. We're not saying that to be hateful. Factual. If the Godhead is not right, you never, you can't praise God. You cannot praise God. You're praising a figment of your imagination, just a. Hey, I don't like this. God hanging over the banister, cheering his son. Oh, son, don't let me down. The doctor of the Trinity is ugly. It's a robber. It's a thief. It's a thief. It steals the glory from God. And we can't stroke it. So much I'd like to say right there, but I better quit on that one. Hallelujah. You know what? If if I got, you know, just reckless,
1: I probably don't need to get reckless. I think you already know that this great dialogue is not going to set right with us, with those of us who believe this message. Hallelujah. We're talking about a great revival and they could be right in the middle of a falling away and not even know it. I want to talk about one other little thing. There was a thing that God had going in Israel. All those types of shadows are so beautiful. They all had a, a lesson for the bride. All those things happened to them. It was imposed upon them. God didn't even mind doing that. He had us in mind. They went through so many gruesome things so that we would know we're right. So many milestones to encourage us and give us hope. One of those that I won't take time on it to go into detail. You're preachers and preachers' wives and preachers' kids. So you already know, most of it, most of us do, that there was a thing that happened for the waters of separation in the Old Testament. I like the term, waters of separation.
2: It was for the one that was in a
1: house or a tent when someone died and they were declared unclean get technical it was one of those hygiene things that God had going why they couldn't eat pork that God knew it wasn't good for you this was for us that when you get close to death sin is death sting of sin sting of death is sin and they were declared unclean if a lid was left off of a vessel it was unclean anybody that come in contact with a corpse was unclean. If you were walking and you happened to step on a grave, you were unclean. You didn't mean to step on that grave. They taught me when I was a boy, we'd go to the cemetery, don't step on the headstones. To this day, I won't do it. I wonder if it's a spillover from this. If you were walking in the field, if you stepped on a grave, you were unclean. If you were walking on a field and happened to step on a bone of a human they were unclean. And so these were all casual sins that people didn't go out and deliberately get mixed up in. Nevertheless, they were unclean. I didn't ask for the sins of Adam, but I got them. Yeah. But I got rid of them. I went through the waters of separation.
2: Yeah. Hallelujah. And that separated me! Yeah. It was a double cure. Yeah. Got rid of Adam's Inherited death And got rid of my own (laughs) So a heifer was burned A red heifer
1: Suggestive of the blood of
2: Jesus Christ
1: I don't want to go into too much detail And try to prove it You already know it And the residue of all of that offering it, It resided in the ashes The power of the sacrifice was in the ashes. And when someone come to be washed, the ashes went in the water. And the water went on the guilty. And they were separated. And they were declared clean. A lot of details here, but that's the basics of it. No water, no application. No ashes, no power.
2: Water alone won't do it. It had to be the ashes of a
1: specific sacrifice. The ashes of the red heifer.
2: It was there even way after the smoke had cleared the sky. Long,
1: maybe months. But our message last night, God's a God of eternity. And when those ashes went on the one that needed to be washed. Lord. It was as though the heifer was still being burned. It was as though it was alive that very moment because all the power of those ashes were, or, or the sacrifice was in those ashes. A type, a suggestion. Hallelujah. That when Jesus died, So many thousands of years or hundreds of years ago, it's so much alive today, it's as (laughs) though we're living in that instant. Time machine, yeah, I guess
2: so. You take someone to the water, and if you don't put the ashes in, there's no washing All the power of Calvary has been invested into the name of Jesus Christ, and neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name given among men under heaven, whereby you must be saved. It's alive! I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It's not true. You don't like me to say lie? Well, it isn't true. No name was given. No name in the water. No name. No washing. No cleansing. No separation. That's the negative part of it. That's why we can't stroke it. There is a generation. Own eyes, but they have not been washed from their filthiness. They only one washing. The positive part of it is, <laughs> for me, I can still hear the water running in my memory. I can still hear that old Texas voice. <laughs>
0: It's as though
1: it was just an instant ago.
0: And it worked.
2: Because I heard the name go in the water, and it worked. I wasn't any better than anybody else. May not have been any worse than anybody else. We're all in the same boat. You must be born again. Now, I want to say this about Martin Luther. If Martin Luther wasn't born again, he's lost. Somebody said he he didn't have the light. Well, what was he doing fighting it if he didn't have it? He had it, it was there. He rejected it. Now, if in the last, and it wasn't recorded, he was baptized in Jesus' name and got the Holy Ghost, then we'll see him in heaven. But if the ashes didn't go in the water, if the name wasn't in the water, Martin Luther, whether he knew it or not, if he could make it without the new birth, then you can today. I'm afraid of those that say Martin Luther made it. A whole lot more of Martin Luther. It, it, there's no, it's a chain reaction. You can't stop it. We got to put it right where the prime meridian is. Thank God. Well, Lord, I may not ever get low of my.
1: Oh, I can't believe it. Can't believe it. You'd like to be seated there. Something I talked about it one time, a few months ago, years ago, maybe. I read a little book, and I called it, the whole, well, the book called its name, The White Tiger. And I've got to go through this quick. I haven't even got the primary. This white tiger, I think I've already gotten there. All right. But this, this white tiger was not a tiger. It wasn't a cat. It was talking about an avalanche that took place over in the high Alps. Quick, I'm going to go quick. Beautiful little city that's been there for hundreds of years. Snow had fallen every year, and snow banks had piled up several feet deep, no threat. A little action up at the top of the mountain, people were safe,
2: because up at the top of the mountain
1: where the unstable snow was, very, very unstable, there there was a forest of trees, and it was the line of first defense against the avalanche that was always threatening, because every year it happened. But the people were in a safe place, because there was that forest of trees. And as it always seems to appear, money comes into the picture. Somebody wanted to get rich. You know, a lot of things are sold out for money. Lives are being told so offerings can be taken. Yeah. The statistics are being stretched uh, ridiculously so that offerings can be taken. Money, oh God, it's the root of all evil, the love of it. So they cut the timber. And so the next year, the tragedy happened. The unstable snow began to move and and there were no trees there to stop it. And then, as it moved those millions of tons, and it hit the area that possibly was fairly stable, possibly would have never gotten any problem from that area of the mountain, but it couldn't take that, and it moved. And naturally, no one could outrun it, it was too quick, like a tiger. And so the whole village was buried and practically everyone was killed. Buildings were moved. And bridges were built. Nothing looked like it did before. When they come to survey it later, well, I've got to stop long enough to say that the ministry of this truth is standing against the avalanche. You're right. When they take away our they hand it to a politically correct order who's afraid they've cut the timber say don't be hateful I'm not it's factual you want to get used again if that means anything to you just don't say it where so our young people come up.
2: Oh, that's how you get to be popular and famous. You just don't say it.
1: <laughs>
2: this has taken
1: years to love this mountain.
2: When it's all over and everybody looked at the waste and the mountain looked nothing like it did before, all the familiar landmarks were gone.
1: Except those areas where really there was an outcropping of stone. And it wasn't changed. The terrain was the same. If I want to build my house, I want to build it on rock. And if the rest of the
2: world is swept away, what is that rock? Well, the prime point of that is the oneness of the Godhead with absolutely no compromise whatsoever. We didn't write it. We can't compromise it. And if we quit believing it, there's still one God and only one. out of the safe house I want to be in the safe house
1: hallelujah so this is the pivotal point of every doctrine that we preach hey we got a lot of fronts that we're watching out for yeah we could talk about holiness and we do and we're going to
2: yes sir go to our churches you can see it's being preached but that in itself is not enough. <laughs> oh, no. You've got Mormons in our country. Their dresses are dragging their tracks out. They don't even have hairpins, some of them. They don't wear makeup. That won't save you in itself. And so the prime meridian.
1: Oh, well, what much time to have? Another 15 minutes or so? I want it a little more specific. I shouldn't even let that bother me. Well, you, you kind of know the way I'm going. This is the prime doctrine in our lives. We don't have... We don't have the authority to compromise it. If you do, you, you just put yourself out.
2: Because this is an everlasting truth. There's only one God and never been more than one God and never will be more than one God. And there's never been but one person in that Godhead been but one person in that Godhead. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Things are turning in people's minds now. But let me say it again. This is where I stand. If you stand somewhere else, I, I feel sorry for you. But there's never been but one person. And when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman. He was from her seed. He is our near kinsman. And if you deny that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, you have the Spirit of the Antichrist. He's Mary's baby, the son of David, of the seed of Abraham. Otherwise, we have no near kinsman. He is the mediator between God and man. We believe that. Hallelujah. Oh, how precious is this truth when you see it. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Oh, what a friend we have in Him. Oh, God. Thank You for coming, Lord.
1: We couldn't have been saved without His sacrifice. He the Lamb of God and came and died in our place. Oh, hallelujah. This is the prime meridian. And uh, if you'd like to be seated, I, I got here. Uh, I just kind of snatched it out of the air. It's, it's a large ball. And I, I want to make it out of styrofoam because I'm going to push an arrow through it. At the South Pole, I'll push this air and it's gonna come out at the North Pole, and if it was an ordinary beach balloon, it'd go flat. So this is a styrofoam ball, and imposed upon this is uh, an outline of our continents, and we have the United States, North America, South America, Greenland, Europe, you know, India in and around, Japan and back up Russia, and we, way down underneath, we got, uh, New Zealand and What's the other one? Australia. And we got North Pole, ice caps, South Pole, ice caps. We, we get the, you get the point. And as we push this arrow through, uh, then we take the arrow and we tilt it 23 and a half degrees. Whew. God had a plan in that too. But we point that arrow to the North Star. And as it begins to rotate, once every 24 hours it makes a rotation it's traveling a little over a thousand twenty miles an hour at the equator that's moving on that's uh a mile that's that's about a little over a quarter of a mile a second all right so much we'll get into that later and it's in an orbit around the sun and it never quits looking at the north star at 23 and a half degrees all the time but as you can see twice a year the equator is in direct line as it rotation with sun so it's the hottest spot because it has a lot of sun exposure but in its extremities when we're pointed this way and the sun's there the southern hemisphere down the tropic of capricorn that's the furthest limits of the path of of the uh, parallel, and then when it moves over to this side, then the northern hemisphere is closer. So we have the Tropic of Cancer, and so these twenty three and a half, twenty three and a half, is forty seven degree, where the sun is just cooking it, and uh, then we get it makes weather. That gives us the four seasons north and south of the equator there's different heavens in the northern hemisphere than there are in the southern hemisphere those in the southern hemisphere have never seen the north star and i've never seen the southern cross but sailors that fly the sea uh, often are able to see both the hemispheres and the heavens are a little different Uh, They have to sail south instead of north. But uh, it was relatively easy because of latitude, zero point being the equator. And then there's 90 degrees from the equator to the North Pole. That's 90 degrees north. And then there's 90 degrees to the south. That would be 90 degree S or south. And that's divided, each degree represents approximately 68 miles. And so, uh, there were a number of ways that a sailor could tell where he was as far as latitude was concerned. These are parallel lines. But longitude was another thing. Now, they could tell where they were by looking at an almanac and timing the length of the day. That would be one and knowing what day it was. Uh, they could take with their sextant certain angles of various heavenly bodies and, and because it was so fixed and that arrow never varied from that north star it never changed and they could figure their their latitude pretty easily any sailor worth of salt it was able to calculate latitude but no sailor I'm talking about a few years ago before the days of gps and uh, no one knew where they were as far as longitude was concerned now the earth is divided up to 360 degrees from north to south and always there's always there's also 360 degrees east and west and where do you start well it was a time that there were many starting places but there come a day that there was but one, recognized the world over and even into space by every nation, and that is Greenwich. These sailors were so lost, they never knew where they were until something happened. Uh, I'm not even going to look at my notes. I, I don't have time to fool with it. And I just hope I'm not wrong in my memory. The Earth's
2: moving on
1: A little over a thousand miles an hour At the equator It reduces as far as Speed and mileage uh, As you go toward the poles But let's talk equator right now So we can have some facts Every hour The Earth moves Fifteen degrees Every hour You can count on it If you know How long you've been sitting at a spot, you know how far you've gone in an hour. Fifteen degrees. Multiply that times sixty-eight. If you're, don't get too lost in math, that interprets to every four minutes you move one degree at the equator and the world over. But at the equator that one degree represents approximately sixty-eight miles. A little over sixty-eight in fact, but let's go sixty-eight. That's fast enough for anybody. And uh, That's four minutes In two minutes you went 34 miles In one minute you went 17 miles In a minute at the equator I mean things are changing <laughs> You're not just sitting out there at anchor The world's depending You can't stop it I can't stop it Every second little over a quarter of a mile Look at your watch. How long does it take for a second to go? You done moved. Well, there was a great catastrophe. I just have one page I'm going to turn it over, though. In England, in 1707, there was a great sea tragedy. There were five vessels loaded with redcoats. Soldiers. They had been down the Mediterranean. They'd had a very, very successful campaign. The British were very powerful, and uh, they were going home. Five huge ships. Over, over 2,000 men died that that night, and the reason they died was because four of those ships hit the rocky beach, rocky shoreline.
2: Yeah, every navigator, every captain on
1: every one of those ships, only one of them escaped, and I don't know, he probably just put skin of his teeth, but they all thought they were further west than they were because they was going by dead reckoning.
2: Now, dead reckoning is a poor guess.
1: It depends on the speed of the vessel and the angle of tack. You could never sail exactly west, rarely. Now, you had to tack into the wind or from the wind, but... Uh, they would tack north and then south and then north, a zigzag course. And they had to throw a sea anchor over with a rope tied to it. I don't want to get into the mechanics of all this, but out of a bucket come a rope, and the rope was tied in knots. As the sailor counted the knots as they went through his hand, another sailor had a little hourglass, a three minute glass, about the long time it takes to make a good egg. And. In three minutes, they counted the knots. They calculated their speed. Very inaccurate speedometer.
2: <laughs> and then they had to calculate how, with the progress they made west or east, with uh, using
1: trigonometry and angle. And <sighs> Finally, they were able to, after several pieces of paper and wore out pencils and under the stove of a candle when the ship was pitching they said we should be here based on dead reckoning but their dead reckoning was off that night and they plowed into, the, into their death this was such a tragedy that England got upset that was in 1707 and seven years later there was a, a long, the Longitude Act or the, the Royal Academy of Astronomers got together and they passed an act called the Longitude Act. Not only was Britain suffering, but every nation was suffering. Treasures going to the bottom. Men dying of scurvy, of thirst, and sometimes disease so that they found ghost ships, nobody on them. All primarily attributed
2: to the fact that they were lost. Didn't know where they were. Didn't even know which, what direction to go. There were five ships
1: going around the tip of South America, and a storm for five days, and four of the ships went down because of the storm. one lone ship there was having there in Chile, some political problems, and they wasn't welcome on Chile's shore. But when they came up and started sailing north, they knew where, he knew where he was, that captain knew where he was as far as latitude, but he didn't know where he was in longitude and when he got to the proper latitude to turn to go to the island that he sought he sailed west i believe he sailed for four days and he thought i must have turned the wrong way when
2: you're guessing man you don't have any safe house (laughs) his people were dying every day from scurvy and lack of water And so he turned around and went back those four days and then went another four days and he saw the coast of Chile. And he realized he'd gone the wrong way. And he turned back and went that four days plus another four days and he's throwing men overboard every day. Barely had enough men to man the sails.
1: All of that waste because he just didn't know where
2: he was. And so it becomes so important. That England offered a king's ransom for anybody that could solve the longitude problem.
1: They had all kinds of suggestions. One of them had what they call the powders of sympathy. I'll mention this one. Powders of sympathy. They wrote it in, several pages. We have a chemical, it's a miracle drug, that uh, what, what we do here is we have a dog and we we torture this dog and injure this dog and then we soak a cloth in the dog's blood but we don't kill the dog and we put the dog on board the ship and it doesn't matter where you are if we put the powder of sympathy on that bloody rag regardless of where that dog is he'll he'll he'll
2: they have enough people can get weird They didn't even take into account the dog might heal. What do we do, injure him again? It didn't work. Many, many, many applications, but it was Isaac Newton that stood. Never heard of him. And he made this statement. We do not expect to find the answer to the
1: longitude problem, except in two hopes. One is the hopes of being able to someday be able to read the stars while at sea. See, it's almost impossible because the wicked are like the troubled sea that cannot rest. And you take a man, he can't even hardly, he has to strap himself to the mast in order to look at his sextant.
2: No way to look at the stars and know where you were at sea. That's all I'm going to say there. You want to fuss with that? Try it. Oh yeah, the heavens do rule, but when you're at sea, you don't know what the heavens are saying. Now on land where they have all the time in the world and a solid place to look at the stars, you know how they determine the time at Greenwich? is by looking at Jupiter. And when a certain moon appears, they know exactly what time it is. And if the atomic clock stops, they can go look at that moon again.
1: Because the heavens do rule. The heavens do rule. You remember that. We're not in control. And so astronomers thought, and they never really come up with a very good plan. They really didn't leave, and they put in so much time and so much money and so, many, so much talent. cost the government so much money, and they, they couldn't establish a way that a sailor would know where he was. But Isaac Newton said, we have this hope, but I don't offer you any hope because it's an impossibility. That if we had a timepiece, a seagoing clock, that was absolutely accurate, It would solve the problem simply because when our ships leave our port, they set their clock to the prime meridian time, Greenwich Mean Time. And it doesn't matter where they are. They don't even have to worry about it. A captain could look at that clock, and then he could look, and the way they could tell local time where they were, was uh, they observed the sun and its travel. And when the sun hits its zenith, it's like as if you throw a ball into the air, try it sometime, you'll see it pause just before it comes down. And it's a fact, and don't fuss with me, I read it and I believe it, that sailors could observe the sun. That's why most of them had a patch over one eye. Until somebody understood that they could build a box and then look at the shadow of the box. They knew the instant high noon occurred. They'd set their crude little clock. And then they'd look at their accurate clock. And all they had to do, how many hours separate us from the prime meridian. Every hour is 15 degrees.
2: How many minutes?
1: Every minute is 17 miles.
2: How many seconds? Every second,
1: a little over a quarter of a mile. They would know precisely where they were. And all they would need was a little notepad about the size of a postage stamp. And so, John Harrison, Master Mechanic, finally come up. But that There was some limits I'm, I'm on, not referring to my notes If I can help from it There was a first prize Second prize And third prize First prize was that You could only lose Maybe I will have to look at my notes First prize was This trial was to be over a period of 42 days They couldn't be off But one half of a degree Which would be 34 miles In 42 days they could be off a half a degree. That was first prize. That's all we're going to talk about right now. And that only amounted to, I think it was three seconds a day off. Finally, H1 or H4, Harrison 4. He was an old man now. He could have claimed the, the reward many years ago, but he was a perfectionist. And finally, his huge clock, it was about 30 inches square and about that high It weighed nearly 100 pounds. And it was accurate. But it was reduced down to a pocket watch about the size of your hand. And it was so accurate. Let me tell you how accurate that was. In 81 days, he only was off five seconds. He could have been off three seconds a day. But in 81 days... He was only off five seconds, a little over a mile and a quarter. <laughs> you could just almost with your naked eye see pork with that distance. But they wouldn't give him the reward. This world is cruel. But we're not dealing with this world, we're dealing with God. Hallelujah. What does all this mean? It means that every sailor was lost. Until he knew where prime meridian was. That's what I'm boiling it down to.
2: A lot of men, if I see, we're out there, but we know where prime meridian is. We know our relationship to prime meridian. What is prime meridian? Well, it's the oneness of the Godhead. And what is it outside of that? Well, you wouldn't. About the power of calvary, if you don't know about the oneness of the Godhead, you don't know about the the sensuality of Jesus' name in the water. If you don't know the Godhead, we cannot afford to weaken on this issue. We must not. We cannot
1: lose primordial. If this is in poor taste, I ask you forgive me in advance. I was in a church the other day, a good church. They believed this message, they'd be shouting right along with us. But in that church, there was a young man that he came up to compliment me, of which I always enjoy. But everybody does, I suppose. We don't know if we got heard. He said, My wife's sister goes to a church and he named her it was he thought he was really telling me something good and it wasn't but he said uh, we went to visit her Jesus named church incidentally quote quote
2: and he said when we got there the bus was loaded up with the choir and a whole lot of saints was going to support the choir and they went to sing in the Lutheran church and he said, when they got done singing, the people were just happy and thrilled. And a Baptist preacher was preaching that day. And he said, This is the good part. He said, The Baptist preacher got up and said, Nobody can sing like Pentecostals. Do you know why? Because they got the truth.
0: <laughs>
2: Man, the whole thing is crazy. It's local. If they have the truth, partner, why don't you get it? All that is is compliments. All that is is pleasantries. Brother, you can't drag them in the (laughs) water.
1: I baptized a man many years ago. He was ready for the water. I talked to him. He's come back. But I was hopeful to baptize him that night. But he had made up his mind without telling me that that night was going to be the night. He had the keys to the Sunday School Bus, 4th Square Church. Don't name them. Well, it was a 4th Square Church. And he put the keys on the table where the 4th Square pastor was sitting. He said, what's this, Brother Sanders? He said, that's the key, Sunday School Bus. He said, why are you giving them to me? He said, I won't be driving it anymore. And he said, why are you not going to be driving it anymore? He said, because you won't want me to. I said, well, why is that? He says, I'm going to get baptized in Jesus' name
2: tonight. That preacher jumped up and slapped the table and said, Knock that name! You know, Herod
1: got eaten up by worms. (laughs) He didn't do any worse than that.
2: People don't want this name because it threatens their position. You don't have a position. We only have one position. There's only one safe house. We must teach our people.
1: The man left our church for reasons that I suppose he felt justified. Our music was too loud. All right. And I couldn't do anything about it because that's, that's us. Hallelujah. Man, people get annoyed don't they? People getting a Holy Ghost. And he's sitting back. So he went. I said, it's not a good church you going to. They're pretty weak. Pretty sure they have television. And he said, I won't get one. I said, you can't stand it. You won't make it. He said, I'll get tapes from you preaching every week. I said, you can't make it with that. He
2: lasted two years
1: until his he had to swallow a hickering nut to hold his britches up spiritually.
2: And finally that preacher got
1: up. It's been about an hour or so.
2: Finally that preacher got up
1: and he preached on the ones that got him. And my, my good brother that I love and I see him every now and then. He's going on. He's a good church now. But... He
2: went up to shake the preacher's hand. Thank you for preaching on the oneness of Godhead.
1: And the preacher, he didn't do this, all right? I'm I am i have got to be honest, he didn't do this, but in a way he did this. I try to preach on the oneness of Godhead at least once a year. He didn't do that, all right. That's being unkind, but that was his attitude. Sufficient. That's all we need. One man told me. he said Past thought he was president, sure he wasn't faster in church. But he said he leaned over the pulpit and he said to me, when we were just the two of us, he said, I'll never preach this one God gotta be careful Paul. I'll never preach this one God message across my pulpit. I said, Why? He said, It's too offensive. And I said, Well, uh,
2: how you plan on winning anybody? He said, Over cake and coffee. And I said, how long have you been there? And he said, eight years. And I said, how many people have you won? And he said, well, really, we got six, but four of them are Mormons.
1: <laughs> so you know where he was. was in Utah somewhere. And
2: I said, you see these people? They were one over this pulpit. Not once a year, not even once a week, but just practically daily. And you get up in the morning, teach them, Hero Israel. When you're walking at noon, you teach them, Hero Israel. And when you lay down at night, Hero Israel. Lord our little children little bitty babies how many gods are there that's us that's us we cannot afford to change we cannot afford to soften we cannot afford to weaken no we don't need dialogue we need monologue and I'm not being hateful I am not. But I do believe that if we ever lose this prime meridian church, not only will you be lost and your church be lost, but any potential convert will not make it.
1: I wasn't in Las Vegas for just a few weeks, and we've moving our house. I'm going to quit just a minute now. Amen. One of my nephews had a little fishing pole, a little reel, cheap stuff. And I took it out that morning. And I took my scissors and cut the hook off. It had a sinker. had a reel. And that had everything there. And I asked some of the kids, I said, how many fish do you think I'm going to catch today? Those little kids said,
2: you ain't going to get no fish.
1: I said, Why? They say, you just
0: cut the hook off.
2: <laughs> we can't lose this message. It's our hope. It's our safe house. And anybody you hope to win, it is their safe house. Let's never forget, never forget the prime meridian.
1: The oneness of the Godhead. Love it.
0: we The Prince of
2: Peace is He, the everlasting Father. Come on.